0: Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show! I'm JJ Bull from The Telegraph and it's been another week in Scotland where you can expect the unexpected. Stephen Gerrard's Rangers losing? Check! Dundee winning a game of football? Check! Stephen Dobby failing to score? You betcha! But the one thing you can bank on so far this season is Hearts being top of the Scottish Premiership! They saw off St Johnston at Tynecastle, and and will be joined later on by the former Saints manager Owen Coyle Plus, we'll be discussing another managerial change at Dundee United in the Championship, something that made Deacon Blue very happy. And it's competition time in the Totally Scottish Football Show. We've got tickets to give away to the screening of football film Kaiser in Glasgow. Stay tuned for that. With me in the studio, returning to the podcast from Copa 90, it's Laura Brannan!
1: Hi, Laura. With a very croaky voice.
0: But you're okay, though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going for the, the kind of Phoebe sexy huskiness.
0: But I hope you're feeling fit, because last time we had a heated debate about Hamden. Do you recall this yes. battle?
1: And I'm ready for round
0: two. So, Rangers and Celtic progressed to the Betfred Cup semi-finals, and they were kept apart in the draw. Which meant, as Kieran Canning predicted on the podcast last week, that there's an issue with the Europa League on the Thursday, which means both semi-finals we played at Hamden on the same day. Aberdeen play Rangers at Hamden at midday, it's a Sunday, and at 7.45 that same day, which is a Sunday... Celtic play Hearts at Hampden. It's the first time ever that two domestic semi-finals have been staged at Hamden on the same day. Before we say what we think, here's what Hearts manager Craig Levine had to say about the SPFL's decision. I want to go to Hamden and make it feel like we've got a huge Hearts presence there. And, and there's one thing for certain, we're not getting that on a Sunday night at 7.45. I mean, I've got players talking to me about how, how disappointed they, their families are that they can't come and watch the dad playing in the semi-final. Our supporters and probably Aberdeen's were the ones that suffer most because of the travelling. I just don't understand how they can come to that decision and think and think it's all right. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I, I just it doesn't compute with me. The SPFL have done some stupid things in their time, but this one is. What do you think, Laura?
1: This is madness. It's absolutely insane what was going on.
0: Tell me why it's made you so angry, because I was fizzing.
1: There's just so much you have to take in, into consideration here. Where do you even begin? Firstly, let's look at the actual players and the state of Hamden. Now, this is a pitch that has been slated in the past. And you, you can't even... Uh, when years gone by, you couldn't play one game of football on it. Never mind two. Now, I'm no groundsman, but you need time for the grass Don't put to recover. yourself like that. <laughs> <laughs> you need time for the grass to recover. It's not artificial surface. So what if that game goes to one hundred and twenty minutes? What if it is chucking it down that day? Now I'm really surprised that Celtic are okay with being the second team on the pitch that day because it makes them look like second best.
0: I don't know how anyone's okay with it. No. It's so but this th- is another. Point. I think the most important bit, right? I've got to, look to it because I'm, I'm just bubbling. <laughs> so Aberdeen are playing Rangers first at twelve on Sunday. The SPFL said they went down every avenue and looked at every possibility except any of the ones that made any reasonable sense. They didn't talk to the train companies. So ScotRail, and ScotRail, I mean, everyone's got, they hate ScotRail. I'm on their side. I'm on ScotRail's side in this. <laughs> they said, they've been told. So, so the first train from Aberdeen into Glasgow would get you in about quarter, like 15 minutes after kick-off. Yeah,
1: 12.14, the first train from Aberdeen. <laughs> Like, but this is, this is, this is not a, a new story for Aberdeen fans. Every time they come to Glasgow, they have to play a 12-something kick-off. That's not new. That's a long-standing problem which has to be addressed in itself. But what I found interesting was in Hart's statement. They said, we were advised and we were informed. So where was the communication there? Where was the <laughs> touring flowing? Were they not given a chance to fight their corner? Were they just told this is what's happening? Because when you look at who's actually happy about this, Celtic, which I'm surprised about because they the second team to play that day. Rangers, I can completely understand
0: why Rangers are Whoa, 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 happy you're saying it. that the two teams that benefit from an SPFL decision. Whoa, this is... Funny
1: that. Also, the Police, which I'm baffled by, and BT Sport, which I can understand because they're getting a big Super Sunday out of it. So I get, get their argument there. But there's only four parties here that are actually pleased about this result. What are the fans saying that? The fans are outraged by it.
0: How do Hearts fans get back? Say so it goes into extra time, right? How do you get back from Hamden at half 10, 11 at night? You can't take your kids to it. We've had tweets coming into us at the Totally Show, which is where you can reach us if you'd like to send us nice tweets. Andy McNeil said that this is a neutral semi-final, so the very least they could do is make the first game 1pm to help Travelling Dons fans. And Liam Diver's well, I think it'll be an unmitigated disaster. I do have to laugh at the hypocrisy of Aberdeen fans moaning about kickoff times. Fans of other clubs have to get to Aberdeen early for TV games, but that's just accepted.
1: Either way, when you look at Celtic and Hearts, there's going to have to be a league game that gets postponed. So instead of inconveniencing um, the two teams who are playing Celtic and Hearts that weekend of the Super Sunday, if you look at the following weekend, Celtic are playing Hearts. So just make that league game a league cup game. Neither team. No, no, none of the four teams are put out that way and you get the use of Hamden two weeks in a row
0: we've got to stop talking about this because you've uh, you've brought sense <laughs> and reason to the conversation
2: he's going to get it back here from Lamy Robinson Dolly Vector 1-0 Livingston and the Lions lead Rangers in West Mothian come on Levin!
0: I both love and i am fearful of that song by Starbeat, but it's been another landmark for Livingston after back-to-back promotions and a wonderful start to the season. Livy made Rangers look pony at the Tony Macaroni. The brilliantly named Dolly Menga with his first goal for the club, enough to confirm just the second defeat of Stephen Gerrard's tenure at Ibrox. Livingston blogger Andrew Semple joins us now. You're our regular friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm back so soon. <laughs> so we spoke to you before a ball was even kicked in the league We spoke to you after the sacking of Kenny Miller And now we're speaking to you after your team has beaten Rangers How does that rank in terms of your best moments as a Livingston fan?
3: I mean it's up there There's a few things that probably outweigh that But it's certainly up there We've beaten them before But uh, uh, we've arguably got the best team of all time at Livingston right now It's amazing to watch at the moment, it really is That's Strong words I've already got the passport looked out for next year's European trips. Um, really looking forward to that now.
0: You hear Latvia is nice once a year.
3: <laughs> I'm looking forward to my trip to Ukraine.
0: What did you make of the, the game? What did Livingston do that helped them win that game?
3: We we just done what we do best. We we fight for everything. We we don't give teams a minute on the ball. We do the basics right. You know, people label us as a long ball team. We might be we get the balls in an area that I want to see the ball. I want to see the ball in the attack in third of the park. And then we start playing football. And and the goal came from a great bit of play out wide. It was a great goal. It was a goal befitting to win the game. And to be honest, one nil I, I was quite disappointed. I wanted three or four because I thought we deserved it. And it would have really rubbed it in a little bit, which would have been great.
0: So Dolly Menga, I like him both because his name is excellent. And I just like I like the cut of his jib. Tell me about him. What what have you made of him this season?
3: Yeah, To to be honest with you, when we signed him, I looked at his record. Uh, Believe it or not, I think there was a stat out there at the weekend that that's his first goal in five years. That's correct. Um, Which is quite incredible. Um, I'll be honest, when we first started playing him, uh, I wasn't overly impressed. Uh, He's been getting lots of praise for other fans, but I was to be convinced a little bit I wasn't overly impressed with him at Tynecastle last week. But uh, on Sunday, he was magic. he done everything that a, a lone man should do up front. He held the ball well. He won free kicks. He won corners and throw-ins. Everything that we need to do. And, uh, yeah, his pace is lightning. He could knock the ball 10 yards in front of him and get to the ball first. Uh, it's just inc- incredible pace he's got, which is a main... Main thing that he brings is really strong and awkward, and defences don't like that. He plays it, like
0: he's in a, like in one of those football cages, not a prison, but you know the, uh, <laughs> the things that kids play on. He's got so much uh, skill and little tricks with his, and he always rolls the ball with the bottom of his
3: studs. He loves a trick. It doesn't often come off, but when it does, it's quite good to watch. Like I say, he's just really awkward, and and for opposition, they don't like that. They want someone that's predictable. They know what they're going to do. And we, Big Dolly, he's not predictable in the slightest. He'll do something out the blue. He'll get us into positions where we can score goals. And that's what we need in this team. We can't have any passengers. I, th- I think it's fairly well known. We don't have any excellently skillful players there. But they're all hard-working individuals. And they play as a team. And I don't think I've seen a team quite as hard-working as what we've got ever in a Livingston shirt, to be honest.
0: So, I mean, the talk rightly should be about Livingston being very good. And... I like how they mix that direct style of play with nice tippy tappy passing. But what about Rangers? That's not a good result for them.
1: It's not a good result. But then when you look at their results recently, on paper it's a blip. Because when you look at previous weeks, they scored four goals, five goals, two against Villarreal, and then just struggled so much.
0: seems to be on the road in it Scotland, so that's the problem. Yeah. Whether the, it's f- the atmosphere, the players' mentality.
1: No, but the thing is, when you look at Levy's ground on, on Sunday... Rangers, Rangers, Rangers had three stands I don't know <laughs> where do you stand that I mean it looked weird I can completely see why Levy do it I, I get it there's no point in having an empty stadium but at the same time you want your own supporters there you want to make this a fortress for the opposition coming to visit it was very odd to see that it looked like Rangers had just kind of adopted the stadium for the day
0: I mean we'll talk about more of the football in a minute but on the topic of that crowd there's obviously that horrible incident where the linesman Callum Spence was a, he had something chucked off him I don't know yeah. if it was a coin or something but his head was pouring with blood which is not ideal
1: what goes through people's minds I mean what makes somebody stand there at a football game and something doesn't go their way and they think oh, I'm going to take out my anger by chucking someone at somebody who's just doing their job
0: uh, yeah I mean clearly <laughs> it baffles we, me clearly we don't you know it, it, no one wants it and hopefully the boy gets uh, found out for doing it there's clear TV footage of him doing it so that shouldn't be and the annoying thing incredibly is difficult.
1: whenever we talk about you know we're trying to get alcohol back in games or we're trying to get away from lunchtime kick-offs for old-firm games people always go oh do you know what because you know the the, um, Hugh Dallas incident that was 20 years ago now we've moved on from
0: that the old-firm nonsense yeah well I mean that's what we can't drink isn't it I like a drink at football it's fun you can do it in England and no one has a riot but uh, there you go Um, another thing with that is uh, I am reliably told that uh, while Spence was receiving treatment on the (laughs) sidelines Rangers players were moaning about how long it was taken Not ideal. Steven Gerrard's having it tough away from home. They're not the same team away from home, it seems to be. He changed things at half-time, brought in Ryan Kent. He gave him a bit of a buzz. Um, Alfredo Morelos was a different beast last week. He was all just destroying St Johnson. And this week, not at it. Falling over in the box. That's
1: the thing. That's what I was going to bring up. I just don't like seeing this when things aren't going their way. And it's kind of creeping in now to... Well, it was on Sunday anyway. Morelos going down. Middleton. Did you see the challenge on Middleton? That was... Horrendous the way he went down in inside mean, the on box. I mean, first
0: look, I-, I wasn't sure if it was a penalty, not to fair. <laughs> on oh,
1: replays, though, I'm just like,
0: uh, uh, Yeah, on replays, yes.
1: I, I can't. I-, I absolutely despair at that. And when things aren't going your way, if that's the mentality that is creeping in of do anything to get the points, I don't like that style. Like and stamp it, that out nice and early.
0: And it bled into the uh, into the game as well with the uh, Rangers players. I mean, they were they're beaten. They didn't enjoy that, and they had lots of fans at Livia People expected a result. Last week, I said that I think maybe that was a turning point. That was that was Rangers cementing their place as the legit creature within the SPFL. I'm not so sure now. <laughs> i got to take that back a little bit. But then, yeah, because after
1: the European game, everyone was going, whoa, hold on a minute here.
0: Well, speaking of Europe, which we're still in for now, uh, Rangers host Rapid Vienna, the fastest of the Viennas, in the Europa League on Thursday at Ibrox. Managerless Rapid Vienna.
1: Yeah. They sacked it's, it's manager
0: up. Goran... Jurachain on Sunday after three straight defeats in the Austrian Bundesliga, could that be a return to form for Rangers? Laura,
1: I mean, they say return to form, but in Europe, they're they're
0: on fire. Yeah, that was a great result. I mean, to
1: go away to Villarreal and get a result—that is huge. That was their hardest game in the entire group.
0: Must be a mentality, I think, because yeah. I, I don't know, because they don't know how to play, they don't know how to construct their um, their attacking play. It's interesting that Ryan Jack didn't make it into the Scotland squad as well. It was just announced today. Yeah, that's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, I mean, but then going back to Rapid Vienna on Thursday, Ibrox is going to be full. It's going to be the first time they're going to have a European game at Ibrox in, a, in many years. I think the atmosphere will lift spirits. The result from the last game, they're going to go into it with a positive mentality of we can actually do something in this competition now. I don't see the result on Sunday having any bearing whatsoever on Thursday's match. And then interestingly, the week after, Strangers against Hearts.
4: is up, you on the corner. It's off June. Yes. Harding there. It's a good corner. Done. 2-0 Harts. And it's the first Harts goal for Dewey Dunn.
0: Over seven games in the Scottish Premiership season and only Livingston have managed to stop Hearts from winning. St Johnston ran them close on Saturday but Craig Levine's men still ran out 2-1 winners. Peter Haring opened the scoring for Hearts which gives us a chance to talk about what an unbelievable signing he's been. Patrick Barkley suggested on this podcast as early as week two that Haring might be signing of the season. What do you think of that Laura?
1: Quite a statement, isn't it? But he's came in. He's been sensational so far. It's been so entertaining. And as you're saying, Hearts winning again. This has been a superb season so far. All thanks to Hearts.
0: They look good. Again, quite an attacking set-up. What I really like about Hearts is it's lots of one- and two-touch football, so you can't really get close to them. There's a lot of... um, The way their approach play in the final third, they ping it forward. Always forward. I just don't associate that with... I keep saying this as well. I'm so used to the Levine teams being... Pragmatic and sitting back, but
1: yeah, I was actually thinking this this morning. Craig Levine, I've kind of come round to being a, a okay,
0: I'm a myself
1: fan. say eight years ago would not forgive me for saying this, but I've kind of come round to him and I'm now a fan. His Scotland days, he's a completely different manager, and the way he is now, he's become this new character. He looks different, he acts different, his sense of humor's developed, and he's become a right character in the league. And he's playing in good football as well. What could you not like about him?
0: He's a humorous one.
1: He is. Where was that when they played in Prague in 4 6 0?
0: I've read somewhere there's a bit of a Leicester feel about it that they could keep pushing.
1: We're, we're now into October. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Three goals against. I don't know but still yeah look we can all be in dreamland of course we'd all love it as neutrals for us to win the league and it'd be something different this season but can we not just enjoy it while well, it lasts and then we can talk about all this near the other end of the season I think
0: we are enjoying it though just now their next fixture is of course against they Rangers they have got
1: a hard run in coming up have you seen it We've got Rangers, Aberdeen Hibs and Celtic if they overcome those four games and they're still top of the league then they'll entertain your league title chip we can come back to after those four games. We'll talk in November.
0: OK. Former St Johnstone player and manager Owen Coyle joins us now on the Totally Scottish Football Show. Owen, uh, first and foremost, what have you made of this incredible start to the season from Hearts?
2: Well, I think it's fantastic for, for Scottish football. I think Hearts have signed well in the summer. And I think the recruitment is really important. And, uh, and bearing in mind I've lost Carol Lafferty, so I do think uh, good signing in the summer. I think Stephen Maysmith... With a good pre-season behind him, it certainly shown his quality. And I just think it's great for the game north of the border that you have that excitement at the top of the league.
0: How do you think he's uh, managed to get all those transfers to gel so quickly? You must have had experience with something similar yourself.
2: Yeah, I think, listen, Craig's a very good and a very experienced manager. And uh, and I think what he's done is worked very hard in the pre-season. I think some of the signings, they made them relatively early. And and that helps when, when you come into a new club that you can settle in quickly. And 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 within that, I think the the pre season games and everything well, uh, it went well in terms of building and obviously like anybody, whatever club you're at, you want to make a very good start. And when you do that, confidence grows, everybody buys into the the project and everything they're doing, and I think that's very evident. But I think Saturday was really important for Hearts because having drawn with Livingston, it was so important that they went and got the three points when everybody expected them to beat Livingston. That being said, they again produced another fantastic result of the weekend. But I think really for Hearts to get the three points against St Johnston, that was massive because they get them up and running again, feeling good about themselves, and you know they're they're, they're in a great position. And listen, they're there on merit because they've been outstanding.
0: Yeah, definitely. How about yourself? So. Your career managerial career began with St Johnston in 2005 and you uh successful. What can you tell us about the club and the expectations that are there now, what you had then?
2: Yeah, well again, St Johnston, that was the, the first one in my own right. Prior to that, myself and, and Yogi, we'd actually won the first division title with Falkirk as player co-manager. So uh, the series were getting on in years, but it was a fantastic year at Brockville. Uh, last season, incidentally. But St Johnston, it's a brilliant club. It's a well-run club. Jeff Brown, obviously, was my chairman and now Stephen's there now. Tommy Wright's an outstanding man and terrific manager. And I think Tommy's recruited well in the summer as well. So St Johnston again, having, for their recent standards, probably had a semi-disappointing season last year. I'll look to get back to, you know, as they've been fighting out for cups and being at the top end of the table. And I think there's a lot of really positive things going on in Perth. And it's just a brilliant club. And my only wish is that more supporters would come out and watch them. But it's certainly a very well-run club.
0: What do you think Johnson should be aiming for? I know you say they should be looking for cups and things like that. Do you think there's enough there and Tommy Wright's getting enough out of the players that they could finish top six this season? Does it seem likely to you?
2: Yeah, I I think they have a chance of it. I think they've been used to being in the top six and obviously it's getting more difficult every year. You've got to say, I mean, the job... Uh, Stevie's doing it at Kilmarnock I mean again they've got a fantastic home record now Kilmarnock so they feel they can uh, take care of anybody there and even at the weekend you know when uh, coming back from uh, 1-0 down at Muddle Muddle miss a penalty it's huge in the game and up turned the game in its head So I mean there's a lot of teams vying for that top six But that's I think what makes it such an exciting season for, for the top league Equally into the Championship I mean there's so many teams there Looking to back into the Premier League So I think all round I think it's a very exciting season for, for Scottish football
0: oh, and Speaking of the Championship In fact there's a job I know that's just come up uh, It's just been made available I wonder whether you might find yourself interested In such a such a position Or what your future plans are with management Are you keen to get back into it?
2: I will, listen to it if the right thing comes about well, I'm obviously based in England, as you know, and uh, Dundee United, I mean, there's a club I've been at twice, and it? it'll be a brilliant job for someone, uh, it won't be for me, uh, but thanks for asking, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm based down here, my family, family's down here, but I do think whoever gets that job, it's, it's a great job, it's a, it's a great club, and of course, we know the history of Dundee United, and uh, and obviously, you way you really say it's a Premier League club, but the only way you do that is by earning it, and I know that from my time. I mean, I was—I was, I actually scored the winning goal to take them United back to the Premier League the last time in the playoff final against Partick Thistle uh, when I came back from Bolton Wanderers as a player. So I know how good a club that can be and I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll get the right man to take it on and, and get it back to where, where everybody feels it should be. It's rightful, rightful place in Scottish football. But nobody hands you that. You have to go and earn that. And, uh, and that's what they have to do.
0: You don't fancy putting your boots back on and helping them out again, no? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, listen! You know what? I've got to tell you. I wish I could. Playing football is the best days of your life. I mean, we're so so blessed uh, that we can have a career. You know, and this is the thing. I always used to say. I mean, I'm one of nine, five other than three sisters. So, and I was a part-time player. So I know what it is to get up in the morning and do a real job of work and when you're a full-time player and, and your career's in the game you're very blessed and you're certainly not anything you should take for granted but the playing days are the best days of your life you get out and you play well the manager picks you it's as simple as that you know managers don't leave players out of the team players by their own performances put themselves out of the team but uh, yeah there's no doubt playing days are the best days of your life
5: you're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show
0: and now it's competition time on the Totally Scottish Football Show We have two whole tickets to the screening of Kaiser at The View in Glasgow Fort on the 11th of October. Who is Kaiser? Well, I'll tell you. He's a Brazilian footballer who made a career for himself in football despite never actually playing football. A bit like Raphael Shaites Celtic. Heyo, Carlos Kaiser was a con man. Um, This is based on the book, which is absolutely brilliant, by the way. He's a calm man who managed to continuously convince clubs to sign him. You're never actually sure whether he did or not. He says he played for A.G. Ajaxio in France. I have no idea whether he did or not. But he never, ever kicked a ball. The tagline is, the greatest footballer never to play football. Now, for your chance to win, all you have to do is find the Totally Scottish Football Show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Sounds fair. And to really catch our attention, leave a nice comment too. But we'll know if you're being sarcastic. It's a fine line between kindness and sarcasm. The winner will be selected at random and will be announced on the podcast next Monday. So remember, iTunes, five-star review, nice comment, you get tickets to see Kaiser. Thanks.
1: Okay, JJ, so last season's top two met at Celtic Park on Saturday. Both sides so far have looked well off the form of last season, though. Scott Sinclair scored the only goal of the game against the Dons after 63 minutes, but he's been very disappointing this season. Although saying that, what about that for a finish?
0: Yeah, it was a good finish. Um, tidy, nice little bit of improvisation from the the, the man who was come to disappoint in the season. I think it was a it was a really weird game, and I can't tell who was better in it. Aberdeen defended really well. Celtic didn't. Celtic attacked okay. Aberdeen didn't really attack. Derek McKenna said before this game that he he came out with an attacking lineup, so he had Stevie May. And James Wilson and uh, Gary Stephen and Neil McGinn, right? So that's your four players. Now I want to just kill this misconception that that's an attacking lineup. That is a contain and counter strategy. So it's four-two-four. Four, so you only really have um, four attacking players. The two wingers. Uh, in fact, I'll say three because Stevie May is one of them. So there's three attacking players, and Stevie May are uh, trying to score goals. The other two are Graham Chinni and Dominic Ball, who are both basically like ball winners defenders kind of so they're not really good going forward when they join in the attack they don't do much with it they don't really create and all they do is try to win the ball back then Shea Logan's not going forward because the whole point is to try and stop Celtic from scoring against them and mostly what happened is that Aberdeen defended well it's a bit of a low block and they were pressing around midway just inside their own half to try and win the ball back and ping it out wide for the wingers to get up the pitch and put the ball in the box all they were doing when Aberdeen won the ball back was hitting it long and giving possession back to Celtic. I mean, Aberdeen could probably been down to 10 men. I mean, it was funny at first look, as in I can't believe the referee didn't say anything. So Edwards running into the box. I'm not sure if it's in, in the box or just outside it. McKenna comes flying in with like a scissors kick and he's like waist high. I don't... He, he does get the ball first, but he wipes out Eduard. It's dangerous. It looks like when you see... A car crash in a, an advert, or, or or in real life, I suppose. And he just smashes into him, takes him out. Uh, Referee says not even a foul.
1: What frustrates me is I feel like every time Celtic and Aberdeen face each other, Aberdeen are never going to cause them problems. They
0: never turn up, do they?
1: It's so annoying. Like yeah. it's billed oh you you know there's the biggest two in Scotland, it's the top two, so it's going to be a really tasty game. And every time Aberdeen just crumble. You're like, where's the competition coming from here? Come on. <laughs> it is so
0: frustrating. I know. It's, it's all in the head, I think. McInnes has them, he's very pragmatic. He's got them defending quite well. And I, I like the way they're pressing and stopping Sally from going forward. But all that was happening was they'd be blocking man to man in their own half. And then one of Dedrick Boyata or Jack Hendry, by the way, those two defenders were having more of the ball than most Aberdeen attackers. Like, Jack Hendry was carrying the ball into the Aberdeen area and he clearly isn't comfortable on the ball and isn't sure what to do with it he'd get so far and then go ah and pass to the side or and and then run back, retreat as soon as he could
1: what I want to talk about is uh, Scott Brown passing notes
0: oh yeah, well that was uh, Derek McInnes' new game is he likes to give tactical notes to Graham Shinney who reads them on the pitch after he's made a substitution um, and I'd imagine what the note says he's describing each time what Sam Cosgrove is and what he does so Graham Shinney doesn't forget <laughs> Or it's like a reminder to tell Stevie Major to, re- to remember where he is and what he's doing just so he remembers that he is a footballer paid to do such. But then But cre- uh, yeah, Scott Brown nicked the paper off him, started reading it. It's pretty funny. He's I entitled mean, to do it.
1: I think it's incredible. I saw Derek McInnes passing it to Graham Shinney in the cup game during the week yeah. before and I, I kind of twigged at that point and thought, you don't see this very often or am I just missing something here? Is this a normal thing for him to do? Yeah. But then for Scott Brown just to pick it up and so brazen about it, I think it's brilliant good on him because if you're stupid enough to write notes that can be picked up well I think go, the, I go think, and give it straight to Brendan Rogers. but
0: giving a note it's fine right it's then I don't know I mean shouldn't should get rid of it or hide it in his shorts or Some eat it not, or, does,
1: does somebody not eat it before or <laughs> did that happen in a film did I imagine
0: that? I, I, I believe someone would I mean that makes sense you're given tactical instructions and then Scott Brown reads it and goes, Alright, oh, well they go into a three, and then the fullback's inverted, so I know where to watch him, yeah. and the danger is now gonna be balls from wide. Okay, lad, let's reset. Yeah.
1: I mean, at least shove it down your socks or something. There's there's places to put it that's not in front of Scott Brown.
0: Yeah. So a lot of places you can tell Scott Brown to, <laughs> to stick things. I don't come from Madianga! That settles it! Beautiful finish from Madianga!
2: The relief! And euphoria on the Dundee bench is playing
0: for all to see. And Dundee at last have their first victory of the season. It was Hamilton 0, Dundee 2. This felt like the third or fourth make or break game for Neil McCann as Dundee manager. But the D finally registered their first win of the season after six straight defeats. They've been a nonsense. But Andy Boyle and Carl Madianga scored goals in each half.
1: This is massive for Dundee. The run they've been on recently. I, I mean, I don't know how Neil McCann has lasted this long, to be honest, but to get that result at the weekend.
0: Do you think it's massive? Do you think it's a real actual turning point? I'm not sure. No,
1: I think it's massive in terms of anyone who's clinging on to hope, like such as <laughs> Neil McCann. It's massive for him. I don't think it's massive for everyone else because I think it's just a case of when rather than if. And to be honest, this is just prolonging
0: it. You think he's dead man walking? He is.
1: And when you look at the fixtures coming up as well, they're not going to beat Kelly. They're not going to beat Livy.
0: Not with that attitude. <laughs> They're
1: not going to be Celtic.
0: Hey, I back the boys in blue. I mean, they scored goals. They haven't been able to do that at all. And they conceded none. They conceded none goals and scored two.
1: So what you're saying is he's turned over a new leaf and he's found, he's cracked it.
0: Uh, absolutely not. But what is interesting is that, again, it's there's nothing too different in how they, they lined up. Mostly the same sort of team he's put on the pitch. He It's, it's the same shape, 4-4-2. Played Chalman up front, which maybe... I mean... It's, it's odd it's suddenly worked and uh, Hamilton do have a weak squad and they didn't help themselves and weren't quite at the game I wonder whether I mean this is telling whether Hamilton underestimated Dundee and were slightly complacent for it
1: well that's the thing I mean you can say like, oh well Dundee haven't really changed much what actually happened well maybe Aki's just have had a bad day their th- run hasn't been anything to shout about apart from the 3-0 win over St Mirren they've not got anything else to shout about so when you put two poor teams up against each other Yeah. maybe that's what's going to come through
0: and, the, and often these games as well when they're kind of two tightly matched teams comes down to I mean I don't the Dundee goals were lucky but Hamilton hit the bar twice and uh, it could so easily have gone either way for them Martin Canning didn't seem too annoyed after I mean he wasn't happy obviously with how the result went Neil McCann was delighted
1: which you'd think he'd be more annoyed at losing to a team like Dundee when that could potentially be the relegation battle Losing to like to Hibbs and Kelly, then yeah sure, be a wee bit more relaxed about it and accept the defeat. But when you're losing to teams that is around you in the table, that's the ones that's a that's a do-or-die fixtures.
0: Because if you don't win those, you might go down to lower leagues. Speaking of which, let's go around the grounds with Neil White with the latest from the championship League One and League Two.
5: On Sunday afternoon, Ricky Ross, the singer from Deacon Blue, tweeted, Thank God. This in response to the news that Dundee United had just sacked Shabba Laszlo, their manager. Thank God. Ross is not only a celebrity fan, but one of their official honorary club patrons. Such as the Depth of Feeling at Tannadice after a 5-1 defeat by Ross County that also featured a red card after the scoring was complete Mind for Stuart Murder. The game ended with the home fans baying for blood and they got it after a board meeting 24 hours later, United are now looking for their fifth. Permanent manager in three years. County goes second on the back of a performance that got a bit lost in the bloody aftermath. Above them, Air United remained too clear. They won at Morton after a sliding doors moment with the score at 1 1. Michael Tidza missed a penalty for Morton and Air never looked back. There were doubles for substitute Craig Moore and goal machine Lawrence Shankland in a 5 1 win. At the bottom, Falkirk got their first points of the season with a 2-0 win at Alloa. On loan Rangers forward, Zach Rudden got both their goals. Both Alloa and Falkirk are now on three points at the bottom of the championship. League One. and John McGlynn started his second time around as Wraith Rovers' boss with a 5-1 win at Dumbarton. That wasn't enough to make any ground on Arbroath. The leaders won 3-1 against Airdrie and remain four clear. Both Wraith and Arbroath are unbeaten and they meet this weekend. Three behind Wraith, East Fife kept pace with a 2-0 win over Stennis Muir, notable for a fourth goal in four from Rory Curry on loan from Hearts. All four of his goals have come from the bench. League Two and on Saturday night, Sterling Albion cut loose their manager Dave Mackay. That was the price for becoming the first team to lose to Albion Rovers this season. Mackay took Sterling to the playoffs last time, but after a slow start this season they are seventh as they look for a new manager. The top three all won and are beginning to put daylight between themselves and the rest of the division. Edinburgh City beat Cadden Beath with a Conrad Balatoni goal, Peterhead with 3 1 winners at Annan. Finally, Clyde were 2 0 down at Berwick at the break, but David Goodwillie and two from sub Karim Belmokhtar, including a winner in the last minute, capped a classic at Shieldfield.
0: 31 years ago, Dundee United were UEFA Cup finalists. But as Neil just mentioned, they suffered a 5-1 defeat at home to Ross County in the Championship. It was a result that cost Hungarian Chaba Laszlo his job as manager. Mike Barile, Secretary of the Arab Trust, joins us now. Dundee United sit fourth in the Championship. It was a dreadful result on Saturday. But is this about more than just one game?
4: What's going on? Of course it is. It's about uh, his tenure from the 8th of November last year. He just hasn't been very successful in terms of getting results and all managers are judged on their results. It's as simple as that.
0: It's just results. That I, I know some Dundee, Dundee United fans, have a, maybe they've appreciated the way he's tried to do things, but it doesn't seem to have ever worked. Why do they dislike him so much?
4: I think there's a, a history of bad blood between the current chairman and some United fans and poor Shab has just ended up getting caught up in the mix because the chairman has backed his manager and quite rightly because the most important relationship in a professional football club is the one between the chairman and the manager if that relationship is strong and functioning well they'll cope with anything and he's been put under intense scrutiny from fans because of you know, just the history done. United, you know, at the start of the program, I mentioned where we were in the eighties and how far we've fallen, and that's true. And a lot of that's to do because the the team and the club have overachieved, and we've done incredibly well. But in the last oh, since twenty fourteen, the last four years, we've just come down and down and down. And a lot of the problems there were caused in the boardroom originally, but. I feel they've been resolved and poor Shab has just been caught up in the mix.
0: So, Laszlo's assistant, Laurie Ellis, is in caretaker charge. He's a 38, a former throwers defender, and reports have suggested that he'll be given the chance to show he can do the job permanently. Uh, what do you reckon? Would you give him that job?
4: He's got a marvellous opportunity in the next three games. We've got Air United away, Partick Thistle away and Inverness at home. And if he can motivate the players, and he's got some decent players and a few that have come back from injury now. And if he can motivate them, I'm pretty confident Laurie can get nine points out of nine. And if he does that, I think fellow Arabs will be clamouring for him to be made manager on a permanent basis.
1: Mike, it was three years ago this this week that McNamara was sacked.
4: Quite rightly as well. But <laughs> well, that's the
1: thing. So that was a welcome change when he let go. But then it's been three solid years of misery for Dundee United's fans. Did you ever think it was going to last this long?
4: It's, it's been miserable because I believe of the tenure with Stephen Thompson in charge as chairman. Stephen Thompson's position changed enormously when uh, Dundee United had lost the cup final in 2014 and stories came out about Jackie McNamara were sold, quality players literally weeks before a cup final. And it was it was dreadful in 2015. And the whole atmosphere at Tannadice was, was poisonous. And it was never, ever going to change, regardless of who the manager was, while Stephen Thompson was in charge. And that all changed in, in March. Laurie needs to be given a chance to do something. There's been all kinds of speculation in the media about various ex-managers who are all out of work who are all being promoted by their agents, as always happens in these situations. But it doesn't matter who it is, anyone's going to be a risk. You only have to look at Manchester United's appointment, how risky that was. There's not a single professional club in the country that can be 100% sure with the appointment of a manager and a fully have confidence in Laurie being able to do something. We've got a lot of players coming back from injury that poor Shabba Laszlo didn't have available to him. We've brought in a whole host of players. We've brought in 13 new players that need time. And I think over the the, the forthcoming weeks, Laurie Ellis will have experienced guys back in the team. He'll have been able to bed in a lot of the new players, hopefully motivate them enough and get the attitude changed and have them understanding their role and hopefully collect uh, the nine points and. Help us get promoted this year.
5: You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show.
0: Kilmarnock 3, Motherwell 1. Just a one win in seven league games this season for Motherwell. They're not having uh, the best of times. Curtis Main gave Motherwell the lead after 12 minutes, but then had a penalty saved. And I don't think that was the penalty. Don't you, Laura? I don't think
1: it was a penalty either.
0: Nope. Confirmed, not a penalty. Uh, that was saved by Jamie McDonald, which sort of justifies it. Because I was thinking, right? This doesn't make any sense. But the pen- i was—it's not a penalty. But I can see why he's given it. Because um, uh, who's left his foot in? Can't remember. It was Steve O'Donnell. Steve O'Donnell, thats the one. So Donald pulls out of the challenge in the box. Uh, catches him. He goes down. The referee says it's a penalty. It's not because he's pulled out the challenge and he's he's caught. He's he's won it. But you can sort of see why we would be penalty. So it's nice that they got the penalty but then also missed it.
1: You can see it from one <laughs> angle where it does look a wee bit contentious and then you see it from the other and you think, whoa. But <laughs> no. justice is done, but right? that's the thing, yeah. And uh, uh, to be fair, I was a lazy penalty from Curtis Mayne. I mean, what, did he just get complacent because he'd opened the score and thought, well, that's it, I've, I've done my job today this is going to be the second one for me
0: strong words he's got no right to reply he's not on the podcast he can't call back at you for that Well, he can
1: can answer me in the next game and do his talking on the pitch
0: alright you get on the podcast and we'll talk to you now what I really liked about Killy I think Greg Stewart as we keep mentioning why he sent his evil twin to play for Aberdeen (laughs) last season I don't know Um, the Wolf Eamon Brophy has been really ace I want to call him ace those two we keep talking about at Link plays is, is, is um, really fun to watch. They're dribbling in and out. It's cool that they, um, they're both kind of dribblers. Do you know? It's not like two target men or anything. Yeah.
1: So they're interacting with each other. That just makes it so much more exciting to watch. Yeah. Because then they're just batting off each other. And yeah, it's entertaining for everyone. And there's also this predictable, unpredictability with Kelly, where every time I go into a game, I'm thinking, they're not going to win this one again. Are they surely... And And then they keep doing it. (laughs) And it's great. I I just think it's the whole league in general this season has has been an excellent start. And I I just love the fact that it's teams like Kelly and Livy and Hibbs
0: that are just exceeding all expectations. I think they could just keep beating teams the whole season. (laughs) It's weird. They're genuinely quite good, but also not at the same time. Motherwell, Stephen Robinson said they're missing a bit of confidence.
1: Yeah, I think there's a confidence issue there, but also... I think some Quality. players some players <laughs> haven't been turning up so far. Um, players that you know can produce more are not quite given it. There's maybe some that have come in as well in the summer and not quite shown yet what their potential is. But in saying that, they've also had a few hard games along the way. So they've played four of the six in the top six right now. So it's it's been a tough run for them. Um the next couple of games coming up will be a bigger test, I think, because it's more around their level.
0: Saint nil, Hebs won. Uh, That's another scoreline. I was just shouting things out. St Mirren suffer a fifth defeat in six games thanks to a goal from David Gray. Hibs are up to second. It's an Edinburgh 1-2 in Scotland. The balance of power has shifted. Isn't that weird?
1: Is it? Or has natural order been restored?
0: Ah, that (laughs) is a reference to Craig Levine, isn't it?
1: That's harping back quite a few months now. And David Gray scoring for fun. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. This is just so unpredictable this season. We have David Gray, fifth goal of the season.
0: Another header, yeah. It's a training ground move as well. Well, and the thing with this goal was it shouldn't have counted because, I mean, you've seen it, right? Yeah. So, um, what's his chops? Canberry is holding down two yeah. St. Mirren players. They cannot jump. It's very, very clear.
1: See, I'm still not of that argument. You're not like, having that as a film. Come on. Co- can one guy hold down two players? Yeah, he
0: did. I saw it. <laughs> Can they not push free? Get your elbows out and push them back. Well, the thing I was, I was so surprised about was that none of them moaned about it. They just went, oh, ah, yeah. we let a goal in.
1: Oh, yeah, look.
0: You've just been two held. have
1: been held by one man.
0: And he is like, I mean, I'm, you can't see this because it's a podcast, but I'm doing the arm, like I'm trying to hug the mic, right? He's got both arms around the two players and they cannot move. It's a clear foul. If we had VAR. It wouldn't be a goal. It's
1: very and impressive that one man can hold back two players.
0: I don't know. <laughs> you seem very fixated <laughs> on why they didn't yeah. break the warm embrace of the <laughs> Maybe he smells delicious. I, I mean. want a
1: little bit of a battle here. Come on, don't just go, oh. oh, well, he's got his arms around me. I better just stay
0: here. Well, that's St Mirren's fault for not complaining. Also, it is Hibs' fault for um, having an unfair goal. Whoever <laughs> they have won that game, uh, Oren Kearney... Started his career with well, his St Mirren manager career. And he's had a longer career than that. But they had a goalless draw against Celtic. Everyone was like, wow, he's changed them already. They've he've come up with this. Um, since then, he's lost two out of two. He's lost against Hamilton. That is not a good thing to lose. No. And now Hibbs. I mean, I'm not going to say they're in free fall because clearly he's just started his tenure. But there's not a lot to St Mirren at the moment, is there?
1: No, and I have to kind of admit, see at the start of the season, I would have put St Mirren up possibly where Levy are. And vice versa. Really? Yeah. Because of
0: Jack Ross and.
1: Um, not so much. No, it was just uh, the whole momentum of last season. I think they were so strong. I I, I wasn't even that convinced by Livy. They got promoted, but I didn't think they were going to run riot <laughs> quite the way they have. Obviously, as well because their managers left. Um, it was all changed there. I just didn't expect much from Livy at the start of the season and I did expect a lot from St Mirren. So they've just swapped sides on the table. They've just kind of swapped <laughs> rounds and we'll just pretend that none of that happened and I was completely expecting this.
0: Probably shows how much they miss Lewis Morgan because without him they can't just sit back and then wait for someone to produce that little bit of quality that wins them a game. They don't seem to have anything really going forward.
1: There's, there's Lewis Morgan but then they lost him earlier in the calendar year sure. Um, so they've had time to recover without him but there's there's been other key players they've always seemed to have had that flair and they don't seem to have that right now and it's I know they've brought in a few players and it's kind of waiting to see how they gel but there's there's not that star man right now
0: well that's all we have time for we're not a radio show thanks for listening everyone we'll be back next Monday after Rangers versus Hearts what will happen there you'll find out from us next Monday and also if you watch the game
5: You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and, of course, the Totally Football Show with James Richardson.